Welcome to Real Talk, Real Women. Today, we are welcoming Annika Gustafsson. She is a performance coach, reversing breast worker, natural therapist, and former financial planner with extensive experience in a variety of industries, such as corporate, finance, insurance, hospitality, and mining. Over the past six years, she has coached numerous groups and well over 120 people one-on-one -on -one to achieve their goals and their vision. And today we are going to talk about recognizing abuse in domestic violence and abusive and toxic relationships at home and at work. So without further ado, welcome Anika. Thank you very much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you very much. Anika, my first question for you, so that our audience has the feeling that they know you, can you please tell us a little bit of your story, specifically the big events in your life that shaped who you have become today? Overview, yeah. something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Very happy to. So I, I grew up in Sweden in a I guess, very normal conservative family where I guess the, the feeling was that we, we don't talk about anything that's wrong. We just, you know, keep it in the family and look, you know, make everything looks good, look good on the outside. So basically, you, you know, you don't talk about your problems. You just make sure that you, you work hard and you, you put on a good front and make sure that, that everything is good and well all the time and you know if there's something happening in your life that's not so great then just you know suck it up we don't talk about that so that was that was my upbringing and i i became very good at doing that so so um yeah i kind of walked through life not necessarily building very close relationships i believe because i had that that front up all the time and um, I grew up with a mother who had some, um, I believe, mental health concerns. And she um, was a little bit of a narcissistic personality. So I learned very early on to watch my back when I talk to people as well. Um, because if, I don't know if you're aware, but with narcissistic personalities, they have a tendency of being very nice and, and sweet and personable. And, you know, they ask you questions or they try to find out about you and, and it's going really well. And before you know it, they use all the, the things that you've just told them to turn it around and make you feel like you've done something wrong and there's something wrong with you. So um, growing up in a household like that is, is interesting. You become very good at kind of reading signs and being a little bit hypervigilant all the time, I suppose. So um, yeah, I, um, I grew up and I um, went, I went traveling. I, I actually had a, a pretty severe burnout at the age of uh, early 20. Well, I just turned 20. I was working three jobs in Sweden because that's, again, that's what I was taught that we work hard, we do the right thing. So working three jobs and um, yeah, really burned myself out in a big way. So it took me three months to recover from that burnout. I literally just woke up one morning and couldn't get out of bed my body had completely shut down and um, yeah I was pretty well out of it for a good three days before I felt that I came through again and, and dragged myself down to the doctors to see what was going on with me because I was only 20 and I'm, yeah I couldn't move so um, they diagnosed burnout and a severe 
form of pneumonia. So it took three months on on various medications and just being at home and doing next to nothing. So that was quite harsh because I've been, you know, I've been working hard. I had had big plans and all of a sudden it was all shattered because all the money that I've earned working hard kind of went for living when I wasn't working anymore. But it was really good in hindsight because it gave me a lot of time to reflect on the way I was living and the relationships that I'd been keeping and you know what I was doing and what was important to me so um, yeah it's a shame that it it took such a big event I suppose for me to get to that but nonetheless that's what the universe does I suppose if we don't listen to our bodies that's that's how it happens <laughs> so um, yeah I um, I recovered um, after about about three months and I went back to work and I started feeling uh, myself getting into that similar pattern again that you know you get up you go to work you work hard you come home you do things with friends you sleep you get up again so it it kind of felt like the pattern that I had been in before so I decided then and there before another another burnout was going to happen that this needs to stop now I need to do something different I need to probably get out of my environment and just break this pattern to make sure that you know I'm, I'll find my way wherever that was supposed to be because I really didn't know at the time so um that's that's when I went traveling and yeah visited quite a few countries around the world and um yeah ended up in Australia one day <laughs> and yeah that was in 1999 and I have been here ever since so there, they were the, the main events. And of course, I was really just traveling through Australia, but I think classical story, um, met a man, got married, had children. Um, it was quite a big, big change for me having, having the two children because I, I, I was in a, a different country, different language, didn't have family here and everything had happened quite quickly. So I didn't have a lot of support at the time. And uh, yeah, somehow I felt that when, when I had children, my life changed, you know, from one extreme to the other and my partner's life didn't change at all. He kind of just continued the life that he had before. So um, yeah, that was, that was quite tough. And, and subsequently we ended up splitting up um, when our youngest was about six months old. So yeah, so that was my life in Australia as a, a single mom with two young children, 15 months apart. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I very quickly had to learn how life and society in Australia works. So um, I, I was working at the time, even when my little mom was very busy. I unfortunately with my second child, I had to go back to work. He was only six weeks old because, you know, we needed the money. So um, when when it was just me as a single mom, I was I was working a lot and then you know running running the household at the same time. So um, yeah, that's when I discovered that you know I um, I probably needed to just take some time out to be there for the children and um, yeah since since I had a little bit more time I, that's when I went to university and, and did my university degree so. That was that was good. That was good. It was a, a big, big few years for me, for sure, for sure. But um, yeah, that uh, that led me to the event of um, of meeting my my second husband, which um, is why we're here today, I believe. <laughs> 
to uh, to understand the, the signs, the early signs of um, domestic violence and the different types of abuse that that one can experience in the relationship. Thank you very much for really giving an overview, which is pretty thorough. Really appreciate that. And um, yeah, it's really it's something when when you go through all these ups and downs, when you change country, when you know you cannot rely on a mother, when you know that um, you have to learn another language and all of that, it's a, it's a big change. It's a big, it's a big, it's a cultural shock as well. It Absolutely. Is. So at what moment in time did you recognize abuse the first time as a child, probably, or maybe teenager, about your mother? Oh, to be honest with my mother, it took a really long time. Um, I was an adult and I was already moved out. And I don't think I really recognized that form of abuse until you know, quite long after I'd had my own children. I think because I grew up with that, I didn't really know anything different. And it was really just when, when I was looking for help and support when everything was going on in my life as an adult that I, I kind of started recognizing patterns that weren't necessarily everyone's reality and that not everyone relates to other people like that. So yeah, to be honest, I was an adult. I didn't, did not see that coming. And I think that was a big factor and uh, that that um had you know had part of or it was a big part of me ending up in a in a domestic violence violence relationship because it had or it had always been there for me but i didn't recognize it so with coming to a new country and a new language and having two young children single mom um i didn't realize how vulnerable i was at that point um, because I just did what I've always done, you know, I was doing my own thing, I was independent, I made things work, I, you know, met people, and I, I relate very well with people, I, you know, I make friends easily and everything like that, and I can read people very well, because that's something I, I learned as a child, so, so generally I know how to behave and how to act and what to say, because it's a, a learned skill over many years, which means that people like to hang around me generally, because it's pleasant, right? <laughs> I make people feel good because that's the way you keep the peace. So uh, yeah, so looking back now and yeah, I can see that I was a classical example for someone who would end up in a domestic violence relationship. But at the time, I, I didn't see it at all. I did not see it coming. So you said that then you attracted. So the, your first husband was abusive or he was just incompatibility yeah no he he was fine there was just incompatibility there and you know we met i was a happy backpacker he just broke up from some girlfriends so yeah he he's he's a, a nice man good human being it was just a lot happening too soon and we were both so young we didn't know what to do with it so yeah so that relationship was fine i think <laughs> and it yeah it probably didn't last long enough for anything to to go so yeah it was mainly it was my second husband where i i came into this new experience totally understand that and with your second ex-husband um 
at what point did you recognize abuse? Because that's really the topic of the day. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, in, in that relationship, I must say, I, I saw red flags a lot earlier. Um, it, it was interesting because it was such a whirlwind relationship, if you, if you wish. There was, you know, I was, when we met, I was quite emotionally fragile, I suppose. I'd, you know, like I said, split up from this relationship, two young children and studying at uni and, you know, in a different country. So uh, when we met, it was very, you know, very, very passionate, but also everything happened very quickly there as well. So I was kind of just going along for the ride. And, and I kind of remember now when I'm looking back, thinking because all of a sudden he he was just living with me and I remember thinking oh I don't know that we ever spoke about this it was pretty much you know he was always hanging out at my house and all of a sudden he asked for a key and then he had a key and he was living there and it was never actually discussed and that's pretty much how the whole relationship continued after that um, we were together for a bit over six years and yeah, that was kind of the, that was kind of the beginning of something that was going to keep going in that fashion. And and looking back at it, um, that's where when I recognized that, oh, I don't really know how this happened is when I should have stopped and kind of taken a good, <laughs> good look at who I was actually spending time with at that time. But of course, you know, as always in the beginning, things, things are kind of rosy in the beginning, right? They don't necessarily get bad straight away if they did we'd all be out of there but yeah we um yeah we kept spending time together and and yeah I don't know before I know it we we were married and we had another house together and, and it all just kind of happened he kind of just laid it out for how it was going to be and I don't know I think I just wasn't in a place to think things through so I, I just went along with everything because again rather than discussing things and um, creating any kind of conflict or anything like that um, it was just easier to go along with stuff so that's that's what I did and and I didn't really think about it very much and all of us it feels now like all of a sudden we were in this married relationship where I'd kind of lost control of my independence if you wish <laughs> and and again I could have seen it coming looking back the signs were there there were plenty of opportunity for me I mean the first him moving in me giving him a key and him moving in without it being discussed um, we were getting married without me really kind of having any second thoughts about it you know what I mean it wasn't that I was looking forward to getting married it, it just kind of happened which is it's really bizarre I recognize when you when you listen to me you're gonna go okay what's wrong with this woman I mean how could she not right and I get it I get it I'm, I'm looking back at it and thinking the same thing I mean what, what do you what do you mean what's wrong with you but honestly it was just such a tumultuous time he was such an intense personality that, and with the background of, of growing up with a, a narcissistic personality, you tend to just go along, you know, the smooth path, the easy way and kind of just let things go and not, not kind of rub anyone up the wrong way. So, uh, yeah, so that's, that's when all of a sudden I kind of found myself in this, yeah, this marriage with, with little children and, our finances were very, very much entwined at that point, which 
again, even when I did see those red signs where, you know, when there was altercations and uh, disagreements, even if the thought came on that, oh, this doesn't feel good, I, I couldn't leave at that point because everything was so entwined and I didn't feel that I, I didn't have the financial stability anymore. And there was two little kids that already, you know, already had that breakup. So having a second breakup would be, you know, a second failure. And there were so many reasons for why I could probably just maybe smoothen that over and, and make it better. So that's, that's what I did for six years. I made things better. <laughs> my god i mean a lot of people are going to recognize themselves in your story because just trying to to make peace with whatever abuse is going on just to keep on technically applying what you learned in your culture in your culture growing up in sweden like yeah. okay you just swallow it and you are just like the pacific ocean, meaning like you pacify everything. And you say, no, no, just going to continue, go with the flow and do not think. When you said, I do not think, and I just go with the flow, I realized mm -hmm. that this is probably one of the common denominator of victims of domestic violence or domestic abuse, because it's just like you, do not see, because if you would start to really think, you would stop that relationship because you would realize, okay, my personal identity is being squished. My, yes. my power is being taken away from me. My freedom is completely dependent on the moods, ups and downs of my partner. So it's like, uh-uh, this is, mm. these are red flags to recognize abuse, definitely. Oh, they absolutely are. And, you know, it's the, the little things. And, and again, um, you know, there were all these little things happening that upset me at the time, but not enough to wake up and make that break. You know, we could be out in a, in a, I don't know, in a restaurant or whatnot and be out with friends. And he decides that, okay, it's time to go home now. And I'm talking to someone and he would just kind of come and pick me up and put me over the shoulder and walk out the door, which is you know, such humiliation. You wouldn't believe it. And I would be terribly upset about it, but still rather than creating a big, big fight and a big fuss, you know, I'll just get over it and go, okay, you know, next time I'll just, you know, I'll pay a bit more attention and I'll say my goodbyes a bit quicker and you know, I'll walk out of there myself then. So, you know, there's all the little things that if I would have been then where I am at now, I, I would have seen it, of course, I think. But yeah, it's, um, it's just, I think, the little step-by-step -step things that happen that they're not bad enough for you to really put an end to it but at the same time they're not right and I think year after year when those little things have happened you become a little bit immune to what's normal and you kind of think that that's the way it is when in reality that's not okay at all it's completely unacceptable and no one should have to go through it I mean who who is anyone to humiliate another human being it doesn't happen like that right but yeah it's just it's just such a gradual thing that you don't necessarily really notice until it gets so bad that you know someone's fearing for their life or someone's getting really hurt and that's I feel why we're here today to really kind of nut out and and recognize those signs before before it gets to that 
to that state because I I agree with you. I think it's really really common. And again, I I thought that I had my my stuff together. I was you know I was doing well at school. I had a lot of friends. I was well liked. There's nothing in my upbringing or you know I'm no different from anybody else at all. So if this happened to me, if this became my life, then this could happen to anyone. <laughs> and that's um, yeah, that's the the scary part, I think. It definitely is. And it's yeah, very, very too many people can relate, sadly so. But it's it is it is that way. Thank you for helping us, the audience, recognize abuse for what it is. And when we say abuse, there is not only hitting or beating someone that means violence. All the emotional, verbal, financial, um, human abuse, violence, does not always mean hitting and, and really like disfiguring you or something like that. It goes much deeper and it's much more sneaky. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Um, I mean, in, in my relationship, definitely. I mean, it, it didn't start out with any any hitting or anything like that. I mean, again, there was probably a few incidences where there was probably a little bit more roughing around than what needed, but it was in a playful way. So it was, you know, again, there was nothing to it, I thought, until, you know, a few years later where there was a lot to it. But yeah, I would have, I would have never known, but it was, it was definitely the, you know, the mental abuse, the, the, you know, the little hints all the time and the, you know, you could never, you would never be okay without me and you can't do this on your own. And, yeah, just the, the mental and, and like you said, the financial, um, having your finances all intertwined, knowing that, you know, you can't, you don't have enough funds to, to leave and do it on your own. And of course, having someone bring that up all the time that, you know, you need me, you need me, you need me, you, you believe it, you believe it after a while and you forget that you were independent once. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you. The, the abuse that we see and Oh, even so quite often we don't see it but we do see the physical abuse but there's definitely so much to it um i don't think many relationships start out with the physical abuse it's the the years of of mental verbal financial and the isolation that leads up to eventually becoming that physical abuse that is so so terrifying totally understand that definitely yeah all right so how do you help today people to heal and thrive because you have control of that it is too and that is the goal and the the blessing in disguise behind all these abuse to help others on their healing and thriving journey so who do you help how do you do what what do people need to know about you to know how to hire you Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I, it's so important to take back your, your identity and rediscover who you are. Because for me, um, even when I was out of the relationship, I spent a few years just frantically going, going, going to, you know, to put the pieces back together, just in a practical way. Because of course, you know, moving moving out starting a new life there's a lot of practicalities you know you got to find a place you got to get a job so for a 
quite a long time actually i just went on autopilot so that's that's where i where i see people in that autopilot that's when i can help them so i i help my clients rediscover who they were before they were so ingrained in this relationship just help them rediscover what used to bring them joy and what they love, what they care about. And of course, that's not necessarily today what it used to be before the relationship, because let's face it, it's it's an experience, good or bad, and we we learn and we grow for that. But I um, yeah, I think it's really important to take back control and, and at the same time be accountable for your feelings and emotions it's totally okay and completely understandable that there are a lot of emotions surrounding this and to to feel those emotions but to learn to not let them overwhelm you so um, just you know feel them release let it go and then rediscover who you are what you like and and really set your own goals and and find that independence again so that when you eventually feel whole enough to you know start sharing yourself with other people you can go into a relationship where two whole fully functional people come together because they want to be together and not get stuck into this dependent relationship again where you you you're at risk of, of again falling victim to that abuse because that's what i'm seeing a lot people that have been there once are very you know unfortunately very likely to go there again with a different person so that's where i come in and and really work with my clients to to help them rediscover themselves and make sure that they focus on what they're about what their goals are and what they're trying to achieve and not again put their life in the hands of somebody else that's wonderful. Thank you, Anika. Thank you for precising all of that. So uh, the way to reach out. So first of all, everything is in the description of this podcast episode and uh, on YouTube as well. Everything is in the description. And uh, what I have here. So as an email, I have info at Anika CC, like coaching corner, if I remember well. That's correct. Yes, yes. <laughs> Okay. Yes, and and your version of Anika is A N N I C A, because I guarantee you I saw like three or five minimum three or five different writing of that wonderful name. I yeah, as as a child, as I said, I I was feeling rebellious when I was about twelve years old, and and my level of rebellion, you know, growing up the way I did, my level of rebellion was to change my name from a, a K to a C. So I changed the spelling of my name, and that was as wild as I got. <laughs> Amazing! That's super mm. super cool. All right. Thank you very much for having been with us today. Thank you for sharing your experience, your story. Thank you for inspiring our audience. And I am very, very blessed to know you today. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Gemma. It's a, it's a pleasure being here. And, and, you know, I'm so passionate about this. I, I love people and I, I really I want to see a world when we're all helping and supporting each other so anything I can do to help I'm, I'm here so just reach out thank you very much have an amazing day thank you Anika bye bye for now you too. bye